I really like that Build Your Kingdom Here song. I think it's really good, isn't it? It's, well, that's what we want to see, isn't it? We want to join with heaven and celebrate God's kingdom on earth. Father God, I pray uh, for myself as I speak. Would you give me the right words to say and help me to deliver it well? I pray for all of us as, as we listen that you would speak to us and challenge us, confirm in our hearts what you're already doing, and redirect us if we're on the wrong track. Amen. So just to recap Luke 19, that's the story we're going to be focused on, Zacchaeus climbing up the tree. Jesus enters Jericho. He's passing through. He decides to go in to this city. Jericho, famous because of the, the walls of Jericho in the Old Testament. And there's a man there called Zacchaeus, who even after a week's worth of sermon prep, I still can't spell without looking. He is a chief tax collector, not just a tax collector, but a chief one. And he is very rich. And Zacchaeus is in a good place because he wants to see Jesus. He is seeking to see who Jesus was. That's really good. But on account of the crowd, he could not. There's a crowd in the way. And it, uh, it rings bells with Luke 5. There's, uh, there's these Pharisees and teachers of the law in a house, and they're all, all pressed in together in this house. And there's a man who's paralyzed, who can't get in the door because there's a crowd in the way. Just a note, sometimes Christians and religious people can get in the way, and uh, we need to get out of the way. Uh, and he's also small, so that doesn't help him, because there's a crowd in the way, he's small, so he's, he's desperate to seek Jesus, so he runs ahead, he's persistent, he doesn't just stop at the first hurdle, he climbs a tree and looks to see Jesus. Jesus comes, because Jesus is in the city, he comes, he looks up, and he says to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. And culturally, I know if someone said, oh, I need to come to your house for dinner today, you'd think they're a bit rude. This is, this is a, a way of honoring someone. And Jesus is actually extending honor to Zacchaeus. He's saying, I must spend time with you. I want to come to your house so Zacchaeus, he's been eager to seek Jesus. He's run ahead. He's climbed a tree. He hurries down, obedient to Christ, and receives him joyfully. Verse 7, what, what happens? The crowds grumble. And Zacchaeus catches wind of this, and he says, Behold, Lord. He's acknowledging him straight away. He's not come round for dinner yet. Just acknowledging him, behold, Lord, half of my goods here and now I give to the poor. And four times, if I've, any, if I've cheated anyone, I will repay them four times the amount. And do you know what happened? It doesn't say it here, but it says it in Luke 15. Heaven roared with joy. The angels had a party in that moment because, as Jesus said, today salvation has come. In Luke 15, there are these parables of things that are lost, that are found. And it says, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so Jesus is seeing this. Zacchaeus has repented. He's, he's, he's giving back what he owes, what he's cheated people from. He's going, Lord, whoever confesses me as Lord is saved. And Jesus is seeing this. In heaven, angels are rejoicing. They're high-fiving. They're, man. This guy has repented. Today, salvation has come. 
Do you reckon Jesus jumped on the spot? He danced, he high-fived the disciples. This is good news. This man was a son of Abraham. I've come to seek and save the lost. Isn't that good news? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. There was a crowd in the way. There was all the baggage that this man was carrying. There was his shortness and all the physical things in the way. Jesus got to him. I came to seek and save the lost. This is a very good story because it's a story of salvation and it's probably one that in some respects we can relate to all here if we are Christians, if we have called Jesus Lord. I want us to focus on three parties, three characters in this story and I think there's applications to take from all of them. So the first one is Jesus, the main character, the one who came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. The beginning of the story, he's very active. He's not just sitting in the temple waiting for people to come to him. He's entering into Jericho. He's passing through. In verse 5, it says he comes to the place. He looked up and he spoke to him. Jesus isn't just passively there. He's not, come to me, you know. He's looking for people. He's on the move. And then in verse 7, he invites himself. He goes to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus is very active in this story. He is seeking, to, uh, he, is, he is out there to seek and save the lost. And that's what he declares in verse 10. It's true in this story, isn't it? It's true. Jesus has come to seek and save the lost Zacchaeus. And it's true in ours, isn't it? Jesus has come to seek us. I heard uh, an analogy. People talk about all religions are like paths up a mountain to get to God. And that the the problem with it is that actually in Christianity, Jesus comes down the mountain to be with us, to seek and save us. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And I think as Christians, our response to be, is, is to celebrate this. Jesus has sought me out. He's found me. How amazing is this? 1 Corinthians says, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's celebrate that Christ has found us. I'm turning 30 this year, which means I'm just about to begin using references that some people younger than me won't get. And there was a band a few years ago called Delirious. Does that, has anyone heard of Delirious? It was a Christian band. Yeah, some will, yeah. They had a song, and, and the chorus was, I found Jesus, ding, 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 I've, and they just repeated that line. And there was an old guy in the church I grew up called Bob, and he was an ex-pastor, and he said, one service, he stopped, hang on a minute, I didn't find Jesus, he found me. And there's a bit of truth in that, the, the delirious guys have that in some of the verses, but I think he was being clever. Jesus found us. We can celebrate that. And to, to the lost, if you don't know Jesus yet, I hope that this encourages you. Jesus is seeking you. And if, if as a Christian you feel lost, and you feel you've walked away, you've sinned, Jesus is seeking you. Please ignore the grumbling crowds. Please fight through them. If there are Christians or, or people who are telling you you're not good enough, you're too small, you don't quite fit in, Push through them because Christ is at the end. And he's going to that tree to look up and to speak to you. Come down. I must have dinner with you. This is a good God 
we worship, isn't it? This is the art of celebration. Jesus forgives us. He seeks us out. He saves us. The second character in this story is Zacchaeus, the one with the name that's not very easy to spell, Z-A-C-C-H-A-E-U-S. A desperate man who receives salvation. He was desperate on many fronts. He was desperate because of his social role. He was a tax collector, which meant he was betraying his own people. He was a Jew, because it says he was a son of Abraham, and he was collecting taxes from his own people to give money to the Romans who were governing them. And not only was he a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector, so a chief traitor. He's desperate because of his social role. He's probably, the rest of the community don't want anything to do with him. He was desperate because of his spiritual needs. It says he was very rich. What's that got to do with your spiritual state? Well, in Luke 18, 24, just one chapter before, Jesus says how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Had Zacchaeus heard that? Had he gone, oh, man, I'm rich. I need to get this sorted. He was desperate state because of his spiritual needs, because of his social role. And finally, he was in a desperate state because of his sin. This is what the crowds assessed. They said, oh, he's gone to go to the house of a sinner. This man was a sinner, and he was a sinner by his own confession. If I have cheated anyone, I've, I've not been an honest tax collector. Believe it or not, Jesus, I'm a sinner. He's desperate and he knows this. That's why he's hurrying to see Jesus. That's why he's climbing trees and getting ahead and obeying Jesus as soon as he says to come down because he's desperate. Because he's desperate, he runs ahead. He climbs a tree. He hurries and comes down. He receives him joyfully. And you've ever been desperate for something and you finally get it. Before Christ, were we not desperate too? Were we not in a desperate state too? Is that not why we came to Christ? Because we needed him. Socially, we were without the church. We were without the love and care of everyone in this room praying for us and supporting us. Spiritually, we were blind. It says you were dead in your sin. It says you were enemies of God in your mind before we became, came to Christ. We were desperate spiritually. And we were desperate because of our sin, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were in a desperate state. And, and some of us, myself included, you're raised in a Christian home, you don't realize that desperation until a bit later on and you realize how much of a sinner you really are. And you get married and your wife tells you, hang on, <laughs> I'm a sinner and I need Christ and I'm desperate for him. Read a little passage. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were from noble birth. But Jesus, the guy who came to seek and save the lost, God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in this world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are that no one might boast. We were in a desperate state before Christ found us. 
And so the application Zacchaeus gives us is let's follow his example. Let's seek Christ desperately. And yes, we can approach the throne of God with confidence because of Christ. We know that he accepts us, but we should still be hungry for him. Like the psalmist says, One thing I have asked of you that I will seek after, that I may dwell in your house, O Lord, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek you in your temple. As Christians, let's hunger for God's presence. Let's hunger for his presence. Let's hunger for Jesus. I want more of you. Let's follow the example of Zacchaeus who's running ahead, climbing trees. Whatever it takes to be with Jesus. For me, I'm an introvert, and so I want to encourage you Get on your knees in the morning and pray. Open your Bible. Seek Jesus. Lord, I want to see you today. I want to see you today. See what happens. If you spend five minutes in the morning, go, Jesus, I want you. I need you. I'm desperate for you. Just watch what happens. It's incredible what happens. But we're also invited to go out into the world and seek Jesus. See him in creation. See him in the faces of those he's made, who's made in his image. God has said in Isaiah, I have not said to my people, seek me in vain. I will be found. In Jeremiah, he says, I will be found by those who seek me when you seek me with all of your heart. And Jesus famously said, ask and you will seek and you will find. Knock and the doors will be open. Let us be a people who seek Jesus desperately. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. Yeah, Jesus is seeking us, but we're also invited to seek him. Press in. See what happens. And the final, um, the final party in this group is, is less good, but I think it's worth focusing on is the, is the crowd. In the way and grumbling. And we touched on this at the beginning about the house, with, where the house was full of teachers of the law and Pharisees and the, the the guy who actually needed Jesus couldn't get in. Are we a little bit like that crowd sometimes, blocking people's way to Jesus? Are there people that we really don't want to rejoice when they repent and when they receive him? Who are the chief tax collectors that we don't like, that we get in the way of, that we grumble about when good things happen to them, that we don't extend God's grace to? On the superficial level, it might be Man United fans or Aston Villa fans or why did they win? (laughs) Less superficially, it might be those with different political beliefs than us, those who read the Telegraph or read the Guardian, those who are looking forward to Trump winning or Biden winning in the next election, those who are pro-Israel, those who are pro-Palestine, we just don't want God to bless them. Maybe there are certain careers. I know there, there were a lot of jokes about bankers and lawyers and politicians. Actually, do we want God to bless them? Will we rejoice when God's favor is shown to them? I was just uh, thinking, how would I react if Putin turned around and said, I'm sorry, I've, what I've been doing is wrong and I want to give back the land and four times I've received Jesus. Would we go, oh, fantastic. We'd go, hang on a minute. You can't get away with that. How do we respond? Maybe bringing it closer to home. What happens when it's your spouse, 
and they just say sorry because they've done something annoying. To just forgive them? Actually, I, mean, I can forgive Putin, but when it comes to someone close to me who's really hurt me. Maybe it's those who are rejected at work, the people who betray us, who let us down, who hurt us. Maybe it is family members. Are we grumbling when God seeks and saves them, when he blesses them? Or are we, like the angels in heaven, rejoicing? And I just was thinking about this story and the crowds in the way. What if there was a Christian in that crowd? And they, they, they heard Zacchaeus behind them and they said, hang on a minute, this guy needs to see Jesus. And they pushed everyone out of the way and said, Jesus, this man wants to see you. That's what we're called to as Christians to join with Jesus in seeking and saving the lost. We declare this good news to people and then they can know Jesus. It's, it's incredible. Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations because he wanted all nations to know about him. We can be in that crowd and we can push them aside. Hang on a minute, we need to make room for this person who's slightly different from us. There's... Um, there's a guy called Tim Keller, and he wrote a book about the prodigal son. And you know the elder brother who stays at home grumbling? He says, what if the Christians were the elder brother? And they, rather than grumbling, they actually went out after their younger brother. And they said, hang on, don't you realize how good it is we've got it in the father's house? That, that's what we're invited to do as Christians, to join with Jesus in seeking, saving the lost. Father God, I, I thank you for Christ. I thank you that he has come to seek us out. He went to a specific city. He passed through and went to a specific tree to find Zacchaeus. And I thank you that you've come to our place and our time to specifically call us to follow you. Lord, I pray that we would be a desperate people, a people willing to, to do anything to be in your presence, to know you more, that our prayer would be, Lord, let me be in your dwelling place. Let me be in your sanctuary. Let me be in your temple. Let me be wherever you are. And I pray, Lord, that we, that we would be a people who, who go out and join you and seek and save the lost, declaring the good news to the world around us, that we wouldn't be grumbling, but we would be rejoicing people. In Jesus' name, amen.